Let's get goopy with it. No, 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 no. All right, we're going to now talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4, written and directed by Mr. James Gunn. That was not on purpose. Volume Guardians 3. of the Galaxy Volume 3. Did I say? I did say 4. Yeah. yeah. How strange. I'm in the future. Yeah. Um, sure. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, written and directed by James Gunn. Um, this is the uh, third Guardians film. It's been a number of years since we've seen the Guardians. It's been even longer in, yeah, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, your theater marquee. Almost 10 years ago. Makes me feel, <laughs> um, And it's been even longer in universe. So, yeah, so uh, 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 let's, full spoilers. Full spoilers, guys. If you have not seen the movie, uh, do not continue. Do not pass go. Uh, pause this. Uh, go away. Watch the movie. Uh, then come back and listen to our spoiler. Again, spoilers review. Okay. Your pets. I do want to just make a quick addition to the spoiler because, like, yes, generally, like, of course, everything on MCU is on the table, but we will, I know, touch on the holiday special. So if you did not watch that, sorry, we're spoiling it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so let's get right into it. What do we think? Ben? Since you're right there. Okay, yeah, since we're right here. Um, I'm just gonna come out swinging, guys. This is probably the best Marvel movie ever made. Oh, mm. I got a little scared, I, honestly. I do. <laughs> I, I don't know how much I have to say because when I was watching it, even the more time I was stewing on it, I feel that the Guardians trilogy is the best trilogy in the MCU, and this movie instantly jumped up to my top three Marvel films of all time. Oh yeah, I got all of the feels, the characters, the story. The drive, honestly, just there are multiple times where I was watching this movie. I don't know if this is because I was just happy sitting in the theater watching it, but multiple times in this movie, I was like, this is like a perfect Marvel film. It is, it's funny, it's got heart. There's just so much there. I absolutely adore this movie, and I honestly don't have any negatives whatsoever. I cannot think of one. Maybe at this point, I'm like, there are no negatives, change my mind. That's kind of how I feel about Guardians 3 right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sparks or Ryan? Sure. Uh, uh, I think it's a great movie. Uh, I don't think it's the best Marvel movie. I certainly, uh, upon reflecting, I was super hot on it coming out. Upon thinking about it, I'm not, I think it's great. Uh, it, it is like, this makes me sound like I hate it. I don't, I love it. This is still going to be like a <laughs> 9 out of 10. Like the Guardians, like they're all three great movies. Uh, I certainly have a couple of problems with it. Um, and it's just it being structured in a different way than the other two movies. I found uh, it ham it it totally shifts a little bit in places when like something really intense happens, and then like five seconds later that you want me to laugh. And I just needed a little more room in certain places. Um, uh, but I think it's great. Like I had a, I had a fantastic time. Another another James Gunn banger. Sparks, I love this movie. I love this movie very much. I very much wish that there was just more of all of it because that's how much I loved it and I'll get into it, but I loved it. So I loved this. I really, really did. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, this is exactly the movie I wanted it to be. This is exactly the movie I expected. I'm incredibly happy that, that this is the, this is the movie. No, that's not to say I don't have things to say as I, I do, I've got a lot of things to say. Um, but I, I really, really, really loved it. Um, 
as you guys have, as you guys know, as I'm sure the podcast knows, Rocket Raccoon is one of, if not my favorite character in the MCU. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to watch Infinity War and Endgame is because Rocket Raccoon is so heavily featured in those movies, and I really like how they write his character in those <laughs> movies. Um, so I, I really love what they did with him, especially in this movie. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. Um, I got. I want. I'll start with a negative. After saying all that nice stuff, it's going to be mostly nice stuff. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think Adam Warlock needed to be in this movie. Yeah, no i I didn't have I didn't have a problem with him. I liked him a lot, but like he definitely you could remove him from this movie and not a lot would change. And yeah. that's definitely a you know post James Gunn getting getting fired, Endgame, Infinity War, like years past. Like so much stuff interferes with what the actual plan for what Guardian City was initially going to be. I think. So I unfortunately think it was not an afterthought, but like you can't really include him more in the story uh, for whatever reason, James Gunn. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I liked him, but like he definitely felt like, oh, he'll show up in the next Guardians movie. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So I, I I feel much the same way. Like I, he's used the most significant thing he does in the movie is is hurt Rocket to the point where that that sets off the story. And that's that's great. That's a great moment. That's a great scene. Um, and uh, I really like Will Poulter as Adam Warlock. I think he's yeah. he's really good and he's really funny. Um, and I was happy to see Elizabeth Debicki back. Um, but you take out that whole subplot and it doesn't change the movie at all. Um, not really. And that was kind of my issue because like he and he became an afterthought by the end of the movie to where I kind of was like, oh, right. Adam Warlock is in this movie uh, a lot of, when he showed up. Yeah. I don't completely agree because I think in, it, it, there is value in him when he enters the film. And yes, you're correct. Like the most important thing he does is injure Rocket. That importantly, like our characters don't have the reasons and neither does the audience to draw the conclusions that he was sent by the high evolutionary. We have all the reasons as audiences to think that this is just because of the stuff from volume two. And our characters have no idea to connect him to that. Like it keeps things one space removed. So we're not, jumping to the high evolutionary stuff right away mm-hmm. whereas like if you take him out and you put someone who's doing it specifically for the high evolutionary you have to move them into that space dealing with him a lot faster um and i think leaving the breath of room is what allows for the guardians to be desperate in trying to save rocket rather mm-hmm. than going straight to the source so i don't think his role is meaningless uh i won't disagree that like as the movie goes on, it becomes a little less like, you know, once once the, the bridge has occurred, then it's like, okay, so he's still around, though. Um, but I do think, like, it's valuable for him to be present as that connecting piece. I also don't feel like, with the themes of the movie about parenthood <clears throat> and, like, trauma and stuff, like, I don't feel like they dived into any of that with him, really, with yeah. him and his mom. Right. And, like, I like that stuff. Like, I thought it was fun, but, like, I don't... Again, I didn't feel like as 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 part of the entire story that they're trying to tell. It yeah. felt like like in the last revision, like, all right, here comes Adam Warlock. Let me put him in where I need to put him in. Because any character could have hurt Rocket. It didn't have to be Adam Warlock. I'll, I'll say, like, for world-building purposes, another reason I like Adam Warlock and, to, by extension, the Sovereign and his mother still being in this film is because for the context of the film, we learn that the High Evolutionary created the Sovereigns. Yes. And, like, it makes the High Evolutionary's influence... In the MCU feel beyond this film in a retroactive way, which 
frankly, the MCU is not usually very good at doing. They're usually doing like a lot of cleanup later. And this feels like, yes, the high evolutionary has kind of had this presence of doing this with species and, and all these kinds of things like that, that there's a very clear and conscious through line that like kind of explains how the sovereigns are in volume two that, that leads directly into the high evolutionary. And so like, I like that kind of world building. I feel like that's very, that's very rich in its own way. Um, again, I'm not going to say like their execution in being present in this film is flawless, but I like having them more than I, I personally would be more disappointed to have like someone else in his position sure. who's just working for the high evolutionary and not have the Adam Warlock stuff brought up in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like bringing the sovereign and the Adam Warlock stuff to fruition, even if it is a lesser point of doing something, this film is still satisfying sure. for a general audience yeah. that wanted that stuff. I, I guess like, like in your point of like, I just wanted more of him. Cause I don't feel like, I don't really feel like he contributes to the story in a way that the other characters do. I am. It's, I like having him there, but like, it's more like popcorn as opposed to like a, or like a dinner. I am yeah. genuinely surprised that like when we get into the third act, like once his mom has been hurt, that he's not just like actively conversing 100%. with the, with the guardians of that, like he's getting on the same page. Like I, I fully expected that he was going to kind of help them take care of clearing the hell spawn and, and all that other kind of stuff. So the fact yeah. that that didn't happen does surprise me. Cause it feels like that's the natural like connection point. And I do think like the answer is because like, he's just not an original guardian member and yeah. this is about the 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 final point the story for that crew and like having him additionally present for so much of that would would add a, a an energy that's not that is, that could be detracting he from would their he would single-handedly wipe out that entire hallway sequence so he can't be there <laughs> right yeah but if he was i think his presence would have been i think i think i would have appreciated his his inclusion in the story a little bit more right. if he was See, I don't think he would have been in the hallway sequence. And I do think like, I love Craglin's moment. I thought he was going to go on to nowhere. Like mm-hmm. he was going to assist them by taking on the floods of Hellspawn that's going into nowhere. And so he was going to be one of the reasons why like, that's actually not really a problem. Yeah. Um, like you see like the swarms and swarms going in there. And you're like, oh boy, how are they going to deal with this one? Uh, I thought that's what his purpose was going to be. He was sure. going to be like, you know what, homies, you take care of this. I'm going to, I'm going to go take care of all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I am I am surprised he wasn't utilized that way, but like I I like him in the movie. I like the interpretation of like him as this released from the cocoon to early sovereign type uh, baby. I think like frankly one of the things I laughed at the hardest personally in the film is when and I saw it coming from a mile away was the um, uh, whatever she says that's like you know uh, show him what what we're working with or show him what you're made of, and so like he just eviscerates him on the spot. <laughs> oh, yeah, she, yeah. And, and she's like, that's not what I meant. And he's like, well, he should have been more specific. He's he's better off. <laughs> I, I think Will Poulter has a fun energy. I do just like, it is It is something I'll say a lot about a lot of points in this movie that I'm just like, I, I could have just had more. Yeah. I could have just had more. But undeniably, one of my favorite shots in the movie, and like especially timed with the music, is when he's just in the distance coming straight forward yeah. at the camera i'm like this is a great shot this black, is just black a good, Adam, just a good like coming right in i really loved it and you felt like the oh shit yeah he, he definitely I, feels powerful i really like um the effect of his flying mm-hmm. um i think that looks really really interesting um i really like his costume i think he, he, he looks very good um i was watching i was watching this and because you know guardians 2 has the scene has the fight between ego and peter when they're flying through the air um, I was like, man, 
Superman Legacy about to look real good, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's... I think he looks very good in the movie. I, I really, I really like that f- whole first action scene with him, like the the fight between him and Nebula and and Drax and Groot and all that. Yeah. I think that all plays really, really well. Ne- Nebula's yeah. got a Krakoan arm; she can just turn it into things. That's pretty cool. Like That's that. pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. like I like her arm a lot. Um, so yeah, th- those are my feelings on Adam Warlock. I, I I liked what Will Poulter did. I I agree with this general sentiment that like Needed wanted more. more with him, but but I'm glad he was here nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked the flashback sequences and how they were incorporated into the movie. And they really helped because Rocket is off the table for a lot of this movie, which I didn't expect. Um, well, he's technically on a table. So. I was gonna uh, say, <laughs> beat me by one second. Damn it. Um, and he, um, because of, and, and I think the flashbacks help, um, keep Rocket, uh, as a present character in the movie. Um, that, that was really effective for me. Um, and probably responsible for three of my five cries. I think that's uh, also true. There is one where like, I just think, and I, I, I only saw the film once, so I don't know how to fix this, but like, I, I just think it's ill-placed in the film, like just when it happens. And it's when um, it's the big one. It's the one where, where rocket loses all his friends, yeah. um, which is super emotional and everything, but that's a longer sequence. And it kicks off when Quill is approaching the high evolutionary and then we come back from it back to Quill approaching the high evolutionary. And I'm like, I, this just feels like it's in a weird spot. Sure. Um, I would, I would argue that the reason why that's there, it's um, to show like how, I mean, obviously we know the high evolutionary is a bad guy. We, we know like how the, him, I feel that that scene is there. It's just so us as an audience has more of a, more of an anger towards the high evolutionary and how more we want Peter to kick his ass. No, absolutely. But the thing is like, I I guess to me, like in the film language of what's driving the scene, right. Is Peter Quill walking in. It's his, it's his initiation. It's it's, uh, sorry. It's his initiative. It's his uh, moment of him going to the high evolutionary. Like he's going to spring the evolutionary's trap on purpose. And so like flashing back and then coming back to Quill, like, it's it's not like the the film is reflecting on the high evolutionaries moment. A lot of the other moments they are like almost like rockets thinking about it. We usually see him on the table before yeah. we go into a flashback. So it's like these things are somewhat connected. Like there's a there's a, a logical like thematic bridge of why we're going there. And that one I felt like maybe we should have just been in one of the scenes where were, it's just with like the high evolutionary talking to some of the scientists or something and then gone into it. Uh, rather than like the motivating movement of the scene being Quill entering the fray because Quill has nothing to do with that scene and largely doesn't know the information of that scene. At least we have to is suspect because like he does know like everything the evolutionary did to Rocket as far as like experimentation, but we have no reason to believe he knows that specific sequence of events where he took out his friends. So Quill's not motivated by that specific flashback. So it's a little weird it's just for, for him to be our character bringing us into that moment. And again, because it's the lengthier flashback, it also like cuts up that scene in a weird way. So like there, there's just something about the pacing of where it's placed that's a little off. Like genuinely when we came back out of it because I was so emotionally wrapped up in that scene because it's a great scene, uh, I had to kind of go, oh right, Quill's coming to talk to the high evolutionary. That's, that's what, what I mean we're doing. about like, I, I respect and I love that he decided, okay, instead of having it be, you know, chronological, we're gonna do like these flashbacks throughout like the first half of the movie. And I really like that. It's just like, 
the coming out and coming in, the certain times that we come back into a scene, it doesn't, I'm not, you expect me to feel completely different. Like one second after you just like gutted my heart. And it's like, that's the only one where I'm just like, something's, something's jarring here. There's one specific one. It's not, sorry. It's not a, a tonal thing. It's an editing thing. And I, it, it really caught me off guard. It's a great rocket scene happens. And then we cut back to the crew and it's a, like, it's just like a stabbing shot on them. And then it's a quick cut and they're just running. And it felt like very, like a very quick, like a TV edit. Uh, it was very jarring. I, I'm surprised you didn't notice it. It was very like, I, it, it was very quick and it felt very jarring. I don't know how else to put it, but it was like very, like we're, we're here and it's just like sure. this. And I'm like, that was, I'm, I'm, it took me out for half a second. Um, but besides like that, like, I think it's done really well. Like interplacing all the different, all the different flashbacks is really great. I love all those characters. Um, yeah. No, I, we don't need to see a Disney plus show. About I really, I really love those flashbacks. Um, Cause you know, we knew like we, it, look, if you're us, you knew that Lila was already an important character to Rocket because there's the Easter egg in, in, in uh, his um, rap sheet. Well, he was arrested by Z by the by the Star Force, Nova rap Force, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Lila um, is named there. And so, so when you when we finally get to meet Lila, um, it's very emotional. And, oops. Sorry, you're good. It's okay. Um, it's very emotional and very. Um, very good um and throughout those flashbacks as we're learning about uh these uh floor and teeths and lila and how they all kind of were friends and seeing this very different very innocent version of rocket it's very emotional and and when we get to the the payoff which is that all three of them were, were choking up a little bit um were killed um it, it's 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 absolutely 100 percent devastating um, and I, I, uh, I, 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 I was surprised at just how I knew this was going to be an emotional movie. I didn't know it was going to be this emotional. Like this is, this is a hard movie to watch sometimes. Yeah. It's, I mean, we all love animals. Like, you know, it's one thing seeing like somebody get killed in like a John Wick movie, but like animals that are still different, they're a little more yeah. innocent. And then when you give animals like sentience, uh, it makes it doubly worse. Cause then they're people and they're animals um yeah. so yeah man like it's it, it's almost like it, it's almost like manipulation it's mm -hmm. like you know like it is it is manipulation like yeah. I, I have some people there have been a lot of people online i'm not one of them i i i think this is fine but like saying that this movie goes a little too far for for you know trying to be you know this is a marvel movie do we really need to see these animals get like butchered like this and i'm like if you want the trauma of what rocket's going through to like to like mean and mean something and like to show that like this is what he went through like sometimes you have to see these things like again like kids movies from the 80s you know those movies are pg but they're doing like horrific shit right uh, they're killing kids in some of those movies right so like sometimes kids like and it's just a pg-13 movie don't bring a child to this movie in the first place that's another conversation to have uh i don't <laughs> think this movie's too grim or anything i think it is like this is the situation like yo man he didn't care about the kids that he was raising and like they're just experiments to him and like whether it's animals or children like you know being a bad parent is transcends everything being a bad owner transcends everything yeah um i do think um just to the point of all that like i think it's the right kind of like i i don't feel i know when a movie is like doing it and like i think it's egregious and unnecessary and like it doesn't fulfill a plot to like hurt animals yeah. to get you um and i don't feel that way about this like i think it is trying to 
give you the emotionality of what rocket has been through and it delivers. And the fact that people have strong responses to it is because like, it's effective. It's not just effective because it's like animals and, and like very sweet looking animals who have been put through hell, but also because it's rocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And pays off at the end, at the end of the movie when rocket says we have to save them all. We did. No, we have to save them all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's all that that's that's really, really good. So um, I don't I don't have a problem with that. I, yeah. I think that's really, I think, really strong. I think the movie has great personal stakes. Um, the fact that they decided not to do a kind of world ending stakes of ego and uh, Ronan and really take it down to a personal level. Like I was really surprised that the movie was about just the movie is just about saving Rocket. Right. Well, and like they have their cake and eat it, too. Right. Because yeah. like. It, it, that's right. It is about saving Rocket. That's the Guardian's mission is we we have to save Rocket. But it puts them on on the collision course with the High Evolutionary, who we watch destroy a planet of sentient sweet beings yeah. and has children on his ship. So, like, there are greater stakes. They're just not the stakes that we're driving our, our uh, init- initial action to take place. Um, they're not our inciting incident, but they are there. So, like, it's a good way to, like, keep everything feeling really, really personal for the guardians, but also get to like, there are some big ramifications of what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just personal for them, which I thought was a really good way to do it because like, it does bother them that like, and it should because they're the guardians. Like it does bother them that he destroys this planet of peaceful beings. Yeah. Um, Specifically that planet is counter earth, which fun way to fun way to, to bring that in. I, there are sometimes where I'm like, I don't, get how why James Gunn adapted something the way they did. And there's some where I'm like, this is actually a really interesting and unique way to bring in this, this thing. Counter earth is not something that the MCU is probably ever going to use. Um, right, yeah. So using it in this, in this course, in this situation and in this story made a lot of sense and created something really interesting. Um, so I really, I really appreciated that. Yeah. And like, and, and the fact that it's still serving like purpose to rockets larger story too. Right. Because in a, in a not rockets fault sense, but like, all of those beings on that planet exist because of him. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're all functionally there living their lives because of him and the high evolution. It, it shows the like ferocious, absolute apathy that the high evolutionary has for living creatures uh, to have seen the journey of creating this whole society of counter earth and being like, but I can just etch or sketch that away and it doesn't bother me. It's also, it is, it is funny that like he was on the, on the verge or trying to make like the perfect society, but he just made like 1980s New York where right. you just have like crack dealers. Right. And... Which bothers, which bothers him <laughs> clearly. Like the, I like the way Quill digs into him with that and, uh, and that bothers him, but like that he is a character who like, he could have just walked away and done more experiments elsewhere Yeah, and left the planet as was, but he's, too petty for that um he views like he views like those things as inferior it's like oh they shouldn't even exist i have to destroy it it makes him a really strong villain because of the way and like a very strong like again because of the through line with rocket antagonist to what rocket has been through and like the weight of what rocket means in terms of the story he has a good line that's like uh somebody's like oh my god he's like there is no god that's why i stepped up and i'm like nah you you bad you're right um Speaking of uh, Counter Earth and its residents, the uh, uh, makeup, uh, prosthetic effects uh, look incredible. 
They really do. Um, just all, just all across the board. Oh yeah, it pays off really well. I, I really am glad they went that route. Also, I do want to highlight um, James Gunn uh, has talked about like he went out of his way to make sure that all the flashback sequence stuff with Rocket with Lila, like all of them, because he knew that was going to be so much heavy CGI work. Those were the first things they filmed to make sure that they gave the visual effects artists the time they needed to make it work. Look at that smart like, filmmaker. Like that's just, that's just really thoughtful consideration. And I only highlight that so much because like a, obviously it pays off. It looks incredible in this film, but B because he's about to be this person who's spearheading that entire cinematic universe over at DC. And like, it's that kind of thoughtfulness and consideration for the entire crew that's going to make them successful. Yeah. Fun fact about the, the practical effects in this movie. Um, this has the most, uh, people in makeup and wigs and like special effects out of any movie it beat <clears throat> tim burton's planet of the apes nice. wow. which was the original we spent so much money they spent like millions of dollars on just people looking like apes this movie also did that with with animal people that bat lady man she looks so good she does that, that's yeah. a good looking bat family i'm really i'm really glad that they finally found a way to get batman into a marvel movie. <laughs> oh my god uh war pig yeah you oh know who yeah war pig is guys it's judy greer <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, I didn't. I looked it up afterwards. I didn't know during the movie, but I'm that's like, so funny. That's, that's a fun James Gunn thing. That's fun. Wait, who's that. Judy Greer? War, War pig, pig, the giant pig mech that like that gets killed. That's Judy Greer. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Uh, uh, My, Miley Cyrus was replaced by Tara Strong for oh, what's that guy's name? Robot. I, I remember. I I was kind of bummed out. Uh, I love Tara Strong, but I wish I kind of got <laughs> the original person back. Because um, uh, we get a little bit more of the Ravagers uh, of the like. <laughs> The original Guardians team, essentially, um, uh, who formed the Ravager Captains, we get more of them in this movie. Um, I really like seeing Stallone in like that full Starhawk, not Starhawk. Mm -hmm. What's that guy's name? Starhawk is the other guy. Oh yeah, Starhawk. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking about Darkhawk for a second. Yeah, Starhawk. Um, when he's in this, and he's in space, and he's got the cosmic energy, and I was like, that's cool. Yeah, it was one of those things after two where I was like, I really hope we get to see those guys again. So like the way that they were brought back around in this, I really, I really, really yeah. enjoyed. Oh. It. When they when they when they um when they come in and and the snake dude the snake sorcerer is like making the is like making the portals that was so cool yeah right oh yeah Ving Rhames not being there because he yeah. was he was sure. in the original the second yeah, one that's, that's a shame uh yeah that's cool like I also didn't think I figured they would have showed up in this last <clears> movie <throat> as like a cameo or something but then to be like no like we're gonna be like well, here's everybody we're just in the movie for a second like that's cool man I yeah. love it Nathan Fillion's in this movie yeah he plays a uh, wasn't gonna get Wonder Man, so James Gunn had yeah. to make sure he got a good good showing. Plays a yeah. time out. A rude prison guard on an organic world. Gross. I really I really love the line. Is like this might you know it's it's the it's the it's the president's son. I'm working. I was like, I got one of those too. Yeah, yeah I got one of those. And it, it keeps doing this to multiple crazy. people. Yeah, it's like yeah, I this guy sucks. Idiot. I got one of those guys. I get it. And, he, and the guy's just like, oh, yeah. That um, whole organic world was gross and like some of it was practical and look like that door opens up and it's like that's a flesh door. Man. Got got a shout out loving yeah. uh Daniela Melchior making a cameo. Oh um, she digs me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was her. That is her, yeah. Ratcatcher. Ratcatcher um, too, then from Suicide Squad. Oh. She is the she is the girl uh that they take uh hostage. That quill's oh, trying to charm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's I her. really I really love Mantis, like making the other guy fall in love with Drax, and Drax like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. He's like, wow, <laughs> she, I'm where, where are you going today? And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, what's your name again? Drax is where such such a beautiful name. <laughs> like, I I love Drax and Mantis work so well. I'm so glad the the holiday special exists because I think it just further deepens like their relationship for this film. Mm -hmm. 
um because like you get this you get the the whole history of like oh man like she does this they they like pull pranks on each other there's a very like brother sister relationship to them yeah mm-hmm. oh, yeah <laughs> just love how they're walking away and drax looks over it's like why do you have to do this every time she's like because it's funny right. it oh is. uh yep. Uh, Gamora, she's part of the Ravagers. I, I like that. I think that's fun. I man, it's a cool. It's a cool. Okay, uh, because you're going down the road. I don't want to cut you off. So like, no, I'm just gonna like. I think it's gonna lead into what you're talking about. Like James Gunn, like he came into this movie with one of his main characters not only being dead but resurrected like ten years in the past. So like, what do you do with that? And the <clears> easy thing could have been, oh, she falls in love with Peter. That's easy. But that's she's not the same person as our Gamora. So the fact that they didn't end up together. And it's like happy. I loved it. I loved it. I'm glad they didn't force a romance because like, oh, destiny or whatever. Like, no, they're not the same people. Right. Uh, the the way that like he yes ands the fact that this Gamora, I really like when she has the line like um, she's like, I never left Thanos. Like she never had the opportunity to make that choice. Yeah. That, that was never real for her. So that's not her history. And that fundamentally changes who she becomes because of that. Like she follow has to follow a different path of like finding who she is now and the fact that he like followed that through in a logical way where it's like yeah gamora would would make different choices and find a different path uh rather than just like no of course she would always like reset back to like what you would expect um yeah it's it's bold it's a bold choice and it pays off really well there's a moment oh go ahead ben what that's actually one of the reasons why i love this movie is that you would think oh they're just gonna get back together it's the growing pains of them falling in love all over again and the fact that they don't and gamora says i'm not her i'm completely different and she does she doesn't have like she has a respect for peter but it doesn't turn into like a full oh i'm in love with this person sort of thing and also one of the things i love about this movie is how Wait, are you going to go away from the Gamora and Peter thing? No, no, no. no I'm still. I'm going to stick. I was just. I had another point. And I lost it. But I just love how I really love how you think you think it's going to go the way it is. It's like you know, boy and girl fall in love with each other. Girl gets amnesia, or one person gets amnesia. They have to fall in love, fall in love with each other all over again. It's the same song dance we've been through a billion and a half times. But the fact that they don't is like no. There's and maybe one instance in the whole movie where there's maybe a romantic connection between the two of them one of the but things then they don't jump they don't explore about it and it's like they go live their separate lives and i kind of like that one of the things that i that someone pointed out that i kind of think is interesting is that um four i believe of the mcu of the mcu films post endgame have been about breakups and how do you move on and um and I find that so interesting and I really like how it's handled here um, because it is, it is framed as a, it's framed as a breakup, even though it's not um, like uh, Gamora was taken from Peter and Peter is, is, is kind of, there's this moment when they're breaking into the flesh to the flesh science place. I forgot the place it's called. Um, and they like, Peter thinks he mutes his mic and he's talking to her and he, and he says, I, I'm a mess. I miss you. Like he, he is taking on, he's taking on the, that the, Thanos did that because he couldn't kill her. He is taking that on. He's taking on the, the fact that, that their relationship was cut short. Essentially they did not run its course. And he is, and he is, I like that. It's not constantly played as if he's this love, lorn, love, sick puppy dog who will follow Gamora no matter what he is. He, 
is emotionally compromised, but in a way that also respects Gamora. Like he's just like, we, I miss us. It's, I think there's a really interesting thing Gunn does with the language of like certain characters are in different camps about this in the guardians team, right? Like some will say Gamora died and some will say Gamora just forgot. Mm-hmm. And like, it, like Drax and Quill say like, no, she just forgot the past decade, yeah. you know, like, and that's not true. They're not accepting it there. That is a, that is a, you know, narrative that they want to exist in. Um, but it's not real. Like their Gamora died. Like, and, and some are living with that reality and some aren't. Um, and I, I think that that's very effective. Um, and it's, it's really, really cool that he made a decision to not only not put Gamora and Peter back on the same path again, but instead, uh, not even like even though he he jokes and flirts with the idea of like Peter and Nebula because of the the gag about it like we saw in the trailer but like the real important thing is the challenging of like Peter like what 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 are you chasing like yes you had something great with Gamora but like what are what are you running from now it's it's also a really great line that Gamora throws at him like what are you so afraid of in yourself mm-hmm. that you have to use me uh as the thing to save you and like it it, the where it all like leads peter to i think is really really strong oh yeah Um, mantis mantis is like the lily pad thing that she makes drax say to him i think is really effective like you know you're you're not learning to swim on your own um mantis i want to say very good in this movie yeah right and like this is also a good time to highlight like the holiday special like i i feel the holiday special is essential viewing i don't feel like it is just like oh yeah you can you get like yes you can watch this movie and not watch that but like i think you are missing something about how this guardians family has reshaped itself post endgame without the holiday special i'm so grateful that gun was able to do that that like they got to tell that story because like i'm glad that the story isn't just peter has been a drunk since endgame yeah, because yeah. that like that's not the story it's just like things are just getting harder as time goes on yeah. and like mm-hmm. that you're not dealing with your grief and that you get that clearly because of the holiday special um like you know what their lives on nowhere have been like to an extent and you understand like where they've been at like kind of rebuilding themselves but now there's kind of been like some time to settle into living in nowhere and that's allowed peter to get more depressed about what what things are um I think that's that's really strong and that's important and effective storytelling. And also, of course, building the foundation of like Mantis and Peter in that movie. Like it's it's paid off so well here by knowing that they found that connection in each other yeah. in that story and it how is, important that was to Mantis. It is funny if you didn't watch the special, there's just like one line of like, yeah, Mantis, you know, my sister. And then it's like, that's like, that's, that's it. And I'm like, that's funny. Yeah. I, I think it that. does actually come up three times because there's like the time where when, when he's drunk, it's like Nebula says like, you go deal with him. He's your brother. Mm, sure, um, sure, and yeah. then, and then her talking about like, I need you to do this because like nobody listens to me. And and like, even though I'm his sister. Gotcha. Good and, um, yeah. Like, like we're family, but we're not the same. Like you left somebody on earth, that whole idea. So it's, I love, it's like, I, it's yeah. present enough, but like, it's definitely reinforced better by having the holiday special knowledge. And like, honestly, just more times with the guardians. Is, yeah. I, is always I love the idea of like, like the guardians movie being about found family, but also like, as long as like your relationships are good, like don't forget your real family. Yeah. Like your yeah. grandpa didn't do anything wrong. If, He's loving you. <clears throat> I think I might've just thought, um, hi, Mint. Uh, my friend Mint is in the chat. Um, uh, if it, I just thought maybe if one thing about the movie I could have used a little bit more of, maybe more of Mantis and Peter together. 
Um, I do think that, especially Mantis talking to Peter, like, go see your grandpa, go see your other family. But the revelation from the holiday special that Mantis and Peter are brother, are blood related brother and sister. I would like to see more of them go on, maybe not wacky adventures, but at least them talk more about their feelings together. Sure. Um, while Mantis does give a really good pep talk in the beginning of the movie, and that does drive Peter forward to seeing his grandfather at the end of the film, um, a lot of times, I think there was one time, I want to say it was on Counter Earth, where Peter says, Me and Nebula are going to go there, or me and Groot are going to go there, you and Drax go there. And Mantis goes, But I want to go with you. I was like, Yeah, bring Mantis with you. Talk more. I could have used a little bit more of that. Sure. Um, you bring up um, an interesting conversation about how uh, Mantis talks to Quill about leaving his grandfather um, on Earth. I really like that moment because <clears throat> kind of in a metatextual way, it's James Gunn acknowledging something that I really wanted him to acknowledge. <clears throat> you know, Gunn has always stated, why would Quill want to go to Earth? Why would he want to be on Earth? That's the place where his mother died. He'd never want to go back to Earth. And I really like that I really like that the end of Quill's arc is what is where it goes. But specifically when Mantis and Quill are talking, Quill recounts the events that we've seen from volume one as he threw me out of the room and yelled at me when my mother died. He did he got rid of me. He didn't want me. That's not what we saw, but that's what he remembers. And I really like how they frame that. Right. Yeah. 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 Because his his memory is rewritten. Yeah. Like of uh based on like the fear and pain he was in at the time so like he's changed his own conception of like and you know that's not an accident on gun's part like that's on purpose that it doesn't line up with what we saw that is like <laughs> for for film purposes objective truth right like of of what actually happened um peter's memory of it is all broken up because like that was a traumatic moment and like he's so far removed from it as a childhood memory like he's thought about it over and over and changed what it was because in some ways it's easier to not be able to go home if you know you're not wanted there yeah um and which makes it all the more powerful that his arc ends with him going to see his grandfather yeah i think mm -hmm. that's really good um, yeah. I, I love that moment. I love that moment so much. Uh, I, I was a, a mess. Oh, by the way, his real quickly, his grandfather, Jason, Jason Quill. Mm -hmm. That's fine. I, like, I think that's, that's cute. Nice way yeah. to bring in just on. Yeah. Um, mm. man, I love Drax in this movie. I love him in all the movies, but like, I love that. Like he's not as quite as funny as he's in the second one. They've toned him down a little bit. Um, but they replaced that with just so much more emotion. Not that he was lacking yeah. it, but like, this is my probably my favorite Drax movie. Um, and I just absolutely love the stuff of him and the kids. And like, the, I think my favorite line in the movie is like, you weren't meant to be a destroyer. You were meant to be a father. <sighs> oh me, my oh, God. That made me I started up. crying for real. Yeah, I was yeah. like, damn it. This is the second Guardians property that made me cry about with Drax. Cause that game also makes me cry. Cause Drax is so good in that game. Uh, so, phenomenal stuff. I love how, you still get great Drax moments, like when he, when you hear, like when Nebula is getting frustrated with the kids, and all they're saying is "jub jub," and then Drax is speaking their language, and they look at, and because you hear Mantis go, "This language isn't my translator. I don't know what they're saying," and then Drax speaks to them, is like, "Oh yeah, I warned them to stay away from the Star of Wall," and Nebula's like, "How come you didn't tell us that you knew?" I speak? He's like, "You didn't ask." I really it's love. Like, I really love what Ben's talking about because, like, it you know it's. It speaks to you know what Ryan Ben I'm talking about specifically. Like it speaks to that Drax has um a, a much more emotional arc in this film, I believe, um, than in volume two. Not that it's not not that he's not good in two. It's just that yeah. in in here there's um 
there's a genuine sadness to him that that his that his friends don't value him. Um, they call him an idiot. They call him just the muscle, but there is more to him and he wants to prove that. And he gets to, through these kids, becomes like a surrogate father to these children. Um, I really, I, I found that really, really emotionally challenging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really, I really like when Nebula says what you said, which is, you know, like the, I, I see who you really are, that you weren't meant to be a destroyer. You're meant to be a dad. Um, is really effective and everything. I also really love the scene where Nebula is shouting at him and Mantis is challenging it. And she's like, so what if he's, you know, stupid? So what about that? Like, he loves us. Yeah. And he always supports us. And like the way Mantis gets emotional about it also made me emotional. Do you really um, think and I'm like, stupid? And like, as yes. this brother sister thing, and like, and it, it, it almost would be like a cheap moment to make him forget, but like, it's, it's in in some ways a blessing because like you can't get around that like Drax has made decisions that have put them at risk and are not sensible, but it doesn't change the fact that he's important to them. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Mag in the comments, uh, wish we get to know why Drax was a parent or his life before Ronan Thanos. We we get enough of that, I think. I think we get enough of it because like he his whole his species was wiped out by Ronan sent by Thanos, um, and he was well, at least his family. Um, and we, he talks about his family in both films, uh, to, to like, so I you remember I his engorged, his engorged, like whatever <laughs> of his wife, you know? Yeah. My, my father used to tell my me nether regions would become my, engorged. My father used to tell me uh, the story of how they made me to, uh, when I went to sleep. Every <laughs> winter solstice. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Drax, Drax is really good in this film. I, uh, again, I will highlight like I I could have I would have just like I like everything this film is doing because it is like and I think very well and I would never say like oh James Gunn made the wrong decision in making the film the length that it is or anything like that but because he is juggling like really rounding out character arcs on every single character in this film uh, it does make me kind of go like oh man I would have watched like the four hour version of this oh yeah yeah um, um please uh, so, sorry um were you done go ahead okay no i, I want to talk because we're talking about the relationship between uh, mantis and drax and another relationship i did want to talk about even though we don't see it a whole lot but some but it's a relationship that i think has grown quite a bit since infinity war and endgame is nebula and rocket even though they don't get a lot of chance together i love how hard nebula is willing to go for rocket which one of a great one of the great moments is when rocket wakes up when he when he's when he wakes up because he was he's been healed and he says where's nebula mm -hmm. and that to me that's just i mean it's one of those great things it's one of the times where a movie doesn't show us they don't tell us and we've and the audience has to figure it out for themselves on how close rocket and nebula had become in the five years like you see like when they when rock when Nebula and Tony land on Earth in Endgame and Rocket just goes and holds her hand and is like this is we're all that's left of the Guardians, and they be and they become so close and if there's this line that Nebula gives is like when she blocks I want to say she blocks um, Gamora punching mm -hmm. or it was it was either Gamora or or someone, it's Gamora. Yeah, where she blocks Gamora says the road uh, like the Ronan gave me a few upgrades like she's like haha look how stronger I am but also she's like that's my friend f you i'm helping him it, it's essentially like it's shit or get off the can sort of thing i love that like well because gamora comes back just real quick yeah. gamora comes back with the like you'll drop me off because i'm family and she's like so is he uh mm -hmm. yeah end of discussion i love that nebula 
uh, clearly loves these people, but is still like kind of scared to show it. So she's kind of like Yondu, where she still will yell at them, be mean to them, but like you know that the like that hard exterior has like a nice coating inside. Like I love that. Like at the end of the movie, it's just like again, like I was so surprised. Like I knew it was probably gonna have some type of happy ending. But the fact that no character died in this movie and everybody gets a happy ending was kind of surprising because that's not general. That's like, that's not, I didn't expect that with a James Gunn movie. And like, cause that's a guy, he like, he, I, he I, again, I watch every interview that I can when these movies come out, but he's like, I am a guy known for killing characters when it makes sense to the story. And for my finale, I thought it should be a happy ending. Uh, I was like, that's fantastic. I love it. I, I don't know if we're ready to talk about the ending just yet. Cause I do want to deep dive deeper into more of that, but um, I do want to talk about more about that. I don't know if we have other stuff we want to talk about first. I've got a couple things to talk about. There's before. still there's still some other yeah. things I'd like to cover yeah. beforehand. Um, uh, we haven't we haven't like praised and I and he certainly deserves it. Jakuti Uji as uh, the high evolutionary. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, his performance is incredible. Uh, I really really love him. It's it's really great to have a scene chewing villain. Who just like pure evil doesn't in I'm not gonna say enjoys being evil because like to his mind that's not what it is but he really loves his work which is evil yes um and like having him just so obsessed and like he 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 plays that so well he plays this obsession yeah so very well um and his his many multitudes of like his rage his uh, pompousness uh, it's it's all really really well put on display i think he's very well written the compassion I, when rocket does something good and like when, like when you when you were like a captive of someone like you get stockholm syndrome so when you do something good like you're happy that they're happy for you yeah so like when rocket does something nice he's like oh good job b1923 whatever and rocket's happy about it when he when he shouldn't because he's still mm -hmm. this guy's captive but like he pleased his master and his master's so happy and i'm like Oh, it's just what a what a great vile person. I think he's my favorite villain of the trilogy. Like I I oh, yeah. I, I really love Kurt Russell's ego, but like half the time he's kind of playing playing like the nice guy yeah. kind of thing. And I kind of love just like a full commitment to a real just like I'm a piece of shit. I agree. I'm I'm very straightforward with what I want and what I care about. And what I care about is things that are heinous. Uh, villain, and I think that that's delivered through his performance so well. So, um, High Evolutionary uh, reminded me a little bit of what you were talking about before with um, how it feels like the High Evolutionary um, is a more prevalent threat because you made the Sovereign that we were dealing with in the second film. Um, I. Think that's really interesting because i wanted to mention that that uh that he feels like an, an inevitability he feels like no matter wherever like maybe james gunn had the idea or not from the moment we meet rocket and he's got his shirt off when he's in the prison from that moment it feels like the high evolutionary was always coming he was yep. always going to he is inevitable um and i and it's very difficult to make a trilogy of movies with kind of a villain that harkens back to all it's it was always me to make it fit well to make that puzzle piece kind of go in smoothly and i think it works incredibly well for guardians it always feels like when rocket is talking about his origins when he's drunk when he is talking it when yondu is yelling at him it always feels like it was the high evolutionary yeah and this is the type of thing where like I don't think like you can start a trilogy with this movie. Like, I don't think you can start like we need to know Rocket for this long and know who he is and only have like 
the the semblance of what his true origin is. I think if we would have started with this, like it started super grim, I don't think we could have worked up to something that this is this impactful. You know what right. I mean? Like having having known starting having known Rocket from the beginning, he's already this person and seeing the trauma he's went through, we just have to we just have to like guess what he went through. It looks pretty rough, right? He's a raccoon who got turned into a, a cyborg a killer. Uh waiting to see it like almost 10 years later, that's gonna make watching this watching the trilogy in reflection so much more powerful. Because now we do know his origin, and we didn't get it from the beginning. So, like, it just feels like a perfect way to end the movie is is, is, <clears> is with the start of your most important character. Uh, and it's just really cool that, like, this is a big movie with, like, relatively low stakes. Again, like uh, James Gunn said, like, I did not want to do another ego. Like, I love my movie, but I could not destroy the universe again. You do that ten times in a row, your audience doesn't care anymore. Uh, so he's like, I needed to go back to Rocket because he's, you know, this will be my last Guardians movie. So like, he needed to fulfill the personal journey as opposed to the giant journey. And it's kind of what what what's so interesting about what you just said is that like, it wasn't until after Volume Two did James Gunn like really start talking about how he related to Rocket, how Rocket was always his favorite Guardian and things like that. Um, he had mentioned it prior, I believe, but not to the extent that he started to really after volume two. And like, that was always something I picked up on because I really like Rocket from the first movie. He was my favorite character coming out of that first movie. I was I really related to that character to him. And I always was like, wow, I can't believe the character I relate most to is a raccoon. But like, it really, it, it you really see it that Rocket is, is the character, which is why in this movie, this is the lines like it was always your story. You just didn't realize it. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. um, and I really, I really like that moment. That was another moment when I cried when he sees Lila in the afterlife. Um, just like wild movie, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is maybe the best action scene in the MCU in this movie. Mm -hmm. The hallway and scene. I, I heard the hyperbole online. I'm like, ah, you guys love to talk talk big about every single movie. And then I saw that scene. I'm like, every movie likes to have a one or these days. This one's. This is very good. Very good. Right. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, the cuts are hidden pretty well. There's a lot of crazy things happening. Uh, it's all in a small space. So you're just like mo always moving around like, hot damn. You really organically feature each guardian. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Uh, just incredible. I was like, oh man, yeah, people weren't lying. It was like showing popcorn in my face, loving it. Especially because like the movie is fairly light on like guardian on villain action. Um, yeah. there's a couple of, there's a couple of smaller action scenes before we get to the kind of big, like we're all together now, let's go kick some ass. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, I thought that was an interesting choice too. The, um, the Groot versus the Groot and Peter, when they're just back to back, killing all the people in the room oh, is guns. awesome. Love that uh, scene. And, and he, he does a swamp thing. He grows wings. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's all, it's a trend these days. Fortnite. Groot, Groot yep. with wings is in Fortnite or Swamp Thing? Groot, Groot flies is. in with yep. those wings in Fortnite. I put That's I put cool. those wings on my poison ivy so she sprouts uh, uh, petals or, or you know, whatever. I thought That's like uh, the Fortnite the Fortnite folks are real happy with this one. Yeah, this they did aged, good. This is aged like fine oh. wine. <laughs> also, I just love how when Nebula. Tracks and mantis are trying to get on the ship. You hear them like fly. You uh, the That's very the they, they fly That's out. very good. There's a lot of really good. There's a lot of really good overt and subtle comedy yeah. Um, yeah. throughout the film, and that's a that's a good subtle one. I love at the end everyone's just like, "I thought you were on the ship." No, I'm not on the ship. Where are you? Like a lot of this like confusion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of that's everyone fun. trying to predict oh. the other's like bad plan. Yes, and and then when they and then when when Rocket wakes up, 
and then they hear Rocket's voice, like Drax, Mantis, and Nebula, who aren't there. You just see their visual like happiness, and like, oh my god! Right. I was gonna say that's the thing that really like drives home the Nebula, yeah. the importance between Nebula and Rocket, and the connection is is Nebula's reaction to it. Like immediately starts uh, like because crying, of their five yeah. years, just being the two of them. Yeah. Um, the. <laughs> um. Sorry, I lost my thought for a second. Uh what I was going to say about the Guardians film that I like so much is that there's a lot of good needle drops. Sure. Uh, I won't go through all of them. They're just good. Oh my God. The finale uh, being Florence and the Machines, Dog Days Are Over. Yeah. I could not have picked, like, that is such an incredible song and such a beautiful, happy song. I, I love it. I love that as a song choice. Um, friend of this podcast, Jeremy Bellucci, might not be as crazy about it when he sees it because he once described Florence and the Machine to me as an owl trapped in a wind chime shop. Um, <laughs> But I think it's pretty good. I love owls. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love a, owls, Jeremy. <laughs> on a uh, on a whole, I'll be honest, I wasn't too crazy about the needle drops in this movie. Um, I think I need to listen. I think I need to go through it again, though, and you know, like really listen to it independently of this movie. Overall, I like. I think I like the second film better. How how the second film incorporates music. Um, but I, I, there's nothing. I think it all fits for the narrative themes of the movie. What I love most, or one of the things I do love about how music is still very incorporative with the Guardians, and also now that Peter has a Zune and they're still using, they're still using it. Um, one of the things I also do love is how broad the music is for the needle drops in this movie. Because with the first and second one, you have a lot of um, '70s and early '80s hits nothing wrong fantastic songs but that's when peter was growing up that's when he was a kid so of course those songs or a lot of 70s heavy songs are very much because that's all he had access to and now that like he's listening to florence and machine or even the po- the first post credit scene where they're talking about um, oh they bring pre- back come and get your love yeah well when they talk about like when when they're talking like the, the new guardians is like hey what about you he's like oh britney spears guard and then Craig was like, oh, hey, Garth Brooks has not made a bad song. It's like they expanded. Yeah, I do. I do really like that throughout all the movies. You see the Guardians. Um, they've all collectively just kind of started loving the music that Peter listens yeah. to. Like there's the beginning of Infinity where we meet them and they're all singing to Rubber Band Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I really I really like that that's kind of continued on and like comes to a zenith here. Right. Like when everyone's dancing at the end, like they all oh, have yeah. they I all have their moment. I think it's one of the smart things of like they all love music and like America, like, sorry, American Jesus earth music really means a lot. Um, and I think the, it's one of the better moments with the high evolutionary where he's like, well, you know, I made counter earth because like earth is so singular in the way that it's created art and culture. There's just no other place like it in, yeah. in the galaxy. And I'm like that, that's effective. That works. That's a good way to like center why earth is so special amongst the other planets is that like just art doesn't develop the same way uh, anywhere else. Earth is yeah. just unique that way. Yeah. Mag, Mag says in the comments, one song choice that I'm happy with this. This is the day. Mm. Um, uh, creep, creep opens it and Rocket singing creep. Rocket singing like a lot in this movie, which is fun. Again, it's like like you just said, uh, uh, everyone of, loving music as a quill now. One of my favorite things about Bradley Cooper's performance with that is that he's not singing every line. No. Like, he just comes in and out, you know, uh, which is like how you really feel. Like when you're yeah. listening to a sad <laughs> yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Bradley Cooper, because you brought it up, is incredible as always as Rocket Raccoon, and he really steps it up in this movie. He really meets this script where it, where it's where it is. For sure. Um, 
I really, I've always loved Bradley Cooper as Rocket, um, so I'm I'm happy to get more. Um, but speaking Kaiju of music, Kaiju Crew is pretty good. I want to talk about I want to talk about music real quickly one one last time, um, which is that I wasn't crazy about the score. This is one of this is my only other negative. Oh yeah, the, oh, oh me either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The the overall score of this film is disappointing because I think the Guardians films prior to this had had very good scores. Because it's not the same. Uh, does d- yeah. yeah? Does the Guardians theme only show up once yes. when, with that rocket twice. scene? Yeah. Twice. That's twice. Crazy, there, there is twice, and and the second time is when they're all taking all the 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 the, the kids in. Oh sure. Oh, I didn't. Into nowhere. That. It's very know. brief. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah so the I, Guardians theme. So the Guardians theme. Real quickly, just to kind of get my thought out. Like the Guardians theme is very good. I really like that. Um, and uh, I've always liked it from the first film. And I think Tyler Bates, who is the composer for the first two films is very good and composed one of the better MCU themes, especially at the time. Look, um, I'll take it one step further and say that I think both one and two of the guardian scores are two of the best scores in the entire MCU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, 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 I'll back you up on that. So this film is, is composed by John Murphy, who was the composer for the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. Um, and the Guardians Holiday Special. And the Guardians Holiday Special. No one knows why Tyler Bates. I looked this up. Tyler Bates has not said why he didn't come back for three. There is no reason that James Gunn is given that he didn't come back for three. He says for some reason he did not return for three. And I think the film suffers from it, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. do. Like I, I, I think that the scores for the first two films are very, very strong, and this one, like, kind of is just there. Yeah. yeah. I honestly, Brandon, I didn't even notice a score until the until that rocket with the Guardians theme pops Did up, I, and I'm like, oh yeah, there's music in this movie. Oh yeah, there's a Guardians theme that should be playing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, that's like I, movie. I'm like, oh yeah. I don't want to say the Neil drops completely took over my me enjoy me listening to the music but now that i think about it there were wasn't a lot of parts where i was really trying to listen to the score of the movie or mostly the the needle drops kind of took over yeah. and the score was just like there I, I i really like the guardians theme and there's a few places in this movie that i expected it that i expected it um the Groot and Peter back to back moment is, is one of them. Like where I was like, why isn't the guardians theme playing right now? Yeah. Even, even like setting aside real quick, like just the guardians theme. like, yes, I thought it should have been in this movie more good Lord should it have been. It's one of the better themes in the MCU, but also um, Tyler Bates just was better. I think at crafting a, a lyric, like a musically entertaining world that connected with the guardians that, uh, worked well around the needle drops. Like it, it blended in well and it fleshed out and gave a lot of character to the world of the Guardians. And this score is just kind of present. Yeah. yeah. If even that, like I, I'm kind of happy that we have so many needle drops because it means that like we're not suffering from like just a complete lackluster score throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's my final negative though. So the rest is going to be happy. I have one last negative, so I'll get it out of the way. Um, I am all for Groot deciding not to kill the High Evolutionary. I have no problem with that. He's a freaking Garden of the Galaxy. It's not what he does. I do kind of wish we saw how he got his comeuppance, though. The fact that we just leave him and move on uh, and don't see him like perish with it all blowing up or something like that, like in the ruin of his own creation or again. something like that. It's not even about that. It's just like, that is a character who I feel like I don't need my heroes to kill him, but I do need to see him like fall so, yeah, to yeah. the machinations of his own devices or something you need like a, that. Like, uh, Amanda season three. And he's a character who deserves like the, the audience does deserve for every horrible thing he does throughout the film. Like we do deserve 
the justice of seeing him get his final comeuppance, whether that is like even him getting arrested and delivered to the Nova Corps, which I know, I know it's not there. Um, but like whatever that equivalent would be, like, I don't care what it is, but like the fact that we just leave it yeah. at uh, Rocket not killing him and then don't see him anymore, that doesn't quite land right for me. Sure. Space yeah. jail. Take him to space jail. Take him to the space raft. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree with that one. I want to say also that I, I, I want to say I, I really like the use of Rocket saying raccoon in this movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. The yeah. whole time, the whole movie is like, I'm not a raccoon, I'm not a raccoon, I'm not a raccoon. And then when he sees the other raccoons in the cage, that kind of like, it was like, no, I'm, my name is Rocket Raccoon. I think, I think part of why it's so good with where they use is because like he says it to the high evolutionary, it's like he's taking back something of himself that the high evolutionary kept all this time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like he's retaking ownership of something the evolutionary had been keeping from him. And I thought that was really good. And I really like that. That's kind of where, you know, he, you know, he sees, how he he sees how he used to be. He he recognizes himself in these in these raccoon cubs, and and he uh, pups I think are called. Um, and that's kind of his moment where he's like, wait, we can't leave all these guys. Right, they have uh, to come with us. Also, a great action beat is everybody essentially. Um, doing their own incredible Hulk, like smashing Loki into the floor on the high evolutionary. Like they juice, they just, once they start on that, like crowd beat up action scene, they just don't let up. He does not yeah. get to breathe. They're just all taking their, their licks at him because they all hate him. And they rip yeah. his face off. Cause rocket ripped his face off. Even, oh, what a good looking oh, effect. Ew. Yeah. Even oh. Gamora, even Gamora like gets her, her licks in like, this is, a, this is her fight too. Yeah. Also the the makeup because she watched the video too. Like once they all have seen the the screen of what, what Rocket was put through, they're all a little bit activated to be like, all right, this guy though. Yeah. <laughs> Worse than what Thanos did to me. Right. Yeah. Worse than what um, Thanos did to me. Yeah. Um one sorry, quick little side change I want to talk about before I forget. I love how when Gamora gets back with the Guardians and when she hears Gru just say, I am Gru, everyone else can understand him, and she can't. And not until the end of the movie when she's when he says I am Groot, she's like, Oh shit, I understood you. I just love how it's still we still hear I am Groot, but the general feeling and the like we know what he's saying without him really saying it. And right. she there's, when she I, I love, love that. that. There's a sense, there's a sense that um, you know, there's a lot of talk about like, you know, what you do with your heart and this and and both the second one film and this one, you know, Craglin sees uh Yondu remind him I I, uh, I Good use of Yondu. Yeah, I agree. Um, really great moment where it like is like I use my heart, boy. What he told Quill, um, and uh, you understand Groot not here, but in here in your heart. Like that's how you understand Groot, and because because like she let him in, uh, mm-hmm. she loves him. She's part of the family. Uh, she can understand him. So, and I think like what's what's valuable about that is like I kind of wish there. I don't know how you do it because of just how Groot and Gamora are in this movie. But like for Groot, Gamora is a surrogate mom he lost. So mm-hmm. seeing yeah. this Gamora is like, th- th- there's a level of what this means for Groot. And like, th- you, I think James Gunn does a very good job on all these character arcs. I think like, God, I just would have lived in like even doing more with all of it. Yeah. Like I just like all of it so much. I'm like, yeah, more, more. Um, <laughs> I got a fun fact about the I love you guys from Groot. Uh, yeah. James Gunn confirmed that that is because 
as an audience, we have spent enough time on Groot that we can understand his language now. Which is what you and I suspected when yeah. we came out. So, I mean. so that is that is we now we all speak Groot. So if Groot ever shows up again, he'll just be speaking normal like in the comics. Which, which I don't know if I want, but which I mean, I, that might not necessarily be true. It just it just they could just go back to I am Groot. Yeah, yeah now that James Gunn is gone, fuck that guy, right? Well, because like you're being you're being led in on the family moment to hear that, and like we're not going to be with all of that family anymore. Yeah. Like we're going to be with with Philavel and Adam Warlock if we see Groot again. So like yeah. you're not necessarily granted that insight. Uh, I think it's an emotional moment that's meant to hit the way that I think it does. And mm-hmm. I do think like I've seen people say like, oh, I wish I was telegraphed more, and I'm like, I think it's there in the sense that like none of the guardians react to it. Like he said, I love you guys Yeah, in a way that wasn't us. him saying I am. That's for the audience. They all act like he just said, I am Groot again. Yeah. It's, it's, you are hearing it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because you've been led. And I think James Gunn made a good choice with that. I think that's, that's clear and evident and very solid. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very I, I really, I was going to bring that up also. I saw that too. I really, I really liked that moment. The, it it kind of, it did shock me, but like in a way I was like, Oh, that actually, that that's, that's very, very sweet. And also, this last bit is just for me. Nebula turns into a badass version of Mega Man and Base. Anyways, moving on. Um, who would we? Um, Cosmo is in this movie. Cosmo's in this movie. Oh, we almost forgot like one of the best recurring jokes of the bad dog. <laughs> say oh. I am. Say I'm not a bad dog. Oh my god! What the best CGI dog of all time? Oh my god! I love Cosmo. <laughs> say I'm a good dog, please. I oh. I really. There's a lot of characters that James Gunn. James Gunn has changed a lot of the Guardians characters. Like he 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 over he almost overhauled them, um, yeah. completely. And you know, Cosmo could have been, but Cosmo felt the closest that a, a James Gunn adaptation has felt to me from the comics. Like it just felt like Cosmo mm-hmm. was just popped off the off the page. And I was really happy about that because I really like Cosmo. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think Rocket's pretty pretty one to one too. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, just seeing a talk, uh, the telepathic dog is just always fun. What a good time! Yeah. Oh, um, Kaiju, Kaiju Groot was really cool. Um, I really <laughs> like that. Uh, I like that they call that they yell out Kaiju and he just goes big. That's cool. How does he know what that word is? Yeah, because they the, told him. I'm just kidding. The um, because it's in the comments right now, and, and Sparks also brought up um, the post credit scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, introduces well the the ending of the film. The guardians are disbanding. The, the guardians, as we know it, are disbanding. Um, and we kind of thought. I kind of felt once Rocket was like out of commission for a lot of this movie. I was like, "Oh, there's, we're not killing Rocket." I did. They they yeah. did get me. I did think they were going to kill, kill kill Quill. I did too. There's a part uh, where every like, character like you, they might die. There's <laughs> a part where where for a moment I was like, "Yo, are we killing Drax right now?" Yeah, me too. Bring a shot. Yeah, hundred percent. I thought that again. I thought. This movie was going to be very different, where it's like, okay, we're we're going to kill multiple characters. That's because it's the end of the line. Who survives can maybe show up in the next Marvel thing, whatever. I'm not going to be here for it. The fact that he left everyone on the table is really, really nice. Yeah. Like, not everyone has to go out just because you're leaving. Like, that's great. <laughs> and he I gave know. them all a really interesting happy. Sorry, Ben, real quick. He gave them all a really interesting happy ending. You know, we already talked about how how you know what Mantis says to Drax, but like Drax uh, becomes a surrogate father to these to these uh, little kids that they rescued from the High Evolutionary. Um, Nebula becomes like. She starts running nowhere, um, and Rocket is made captain of the Guardians of the Galaxy to make his own team. Right. Um, I really, I really love, I really love the 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 chest pound to Rocket when they all call him captain is mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was emotional. Uh, one of the things I want to praise this movie for because going into it, I thought we were going to lose a few members of the Guardians, and the fact that 
all the guardians not only made it out alive, but also they got really good endings for all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is, this is to me, this is something how you end it. Cause I feel, cause in my very, it's, I've only seen the movie once in the short time since I've seen this movie. And I'm think I thought about it. I kind of feel like killing a few of them off would have been the easy way out. Yeah. Like, Obviously, the, the emotional gut punch would have been there. There would have been like a, a it's everything sad. We have to move on, or the guardians aren't disbanded. But there's something we have to easy. Ways. Real quickly, Ben, there's something easy about killing a character mm-hmm. for an emotional weight, and a lot of a lot of writers do. And not to begrudge any any of them who do, yep. but there's something a lot harder with making an ending where the characters don't die. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but when Tony Stark made the sacrifice play. All the entire, all of his movies and the Avengers films were leading up to Tony making that play. Uh, you know, the the snap to say to beat Thanos. That makes sense. Where, because uh, you know, it started and ended with Iron Man, or at least in the in the terms of the MCU. But yeah, with the Guardians, I felt like it would have been a really cheap not or not a cheap knockoff, but a it would have just felt a little cheap on how, like, say Drax, Quill, and Peter died. Because then hmm. Peter doesn't get his, um, he doesn't go back to Earth, which he does. He obviously does. Or Drax doesn't get a chance to be a surrogate dad, or even, um, or if like Rocket were to die, we don't get to see. I'm, well, well, sure. Like the the main point is that Gun Gun would be willing to kill characters if he felt like there was a good story reason to do it. There just wasn't to him. Mm-hmm. He's like, why? What would be like if there was I'm sure if he thought of something, we would all find it very effective. And like that was a really good way to like I'm sure I'm sure he could have done that. Like that's how mm-hmm. we felt when Groot died the first time. Right. So like, you know, or Yondu in the in the second film. Mm-hmm. So like I know he could do it, yeah. But it's it's that he didn't feel like forcing it on himself just because like Dave Batista will never play Drax again doesn't mean that he had to like find the narrative reason if he didn't yeah. think there was one to kill Drax. That's just like yeah. this is like the narrative in your mind because like that's what most most regular people would do, but James Gunn's not most people. Right. Um, like Marcus and McFeely would have killed Drax. For oh, sure. 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um there so there's um so the 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 so that all so Rocket kind of you know that kind of final dance dance sequence at the end when they're all dancing and nowhere um oh Mantis goes off to discover herself with the three um tentacle oh. monsters oh the obelisks yeah that's the fun obelisks. this is like kind of like a full circle movie from like volume one volume two stuff too that's great yeah, yeah. I, love I like when she... I like that I love the 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 wave goodbye and then the whistle and then they all follow her I, I love when she's like writing an obelisk over she's like go my babies go my babies. Or when she said uh, she gets up, I was like, "Did that look cool?" Oh yeah, that happened a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go ahead, Sparks. No, I was just gonna say I think that like the their goodbyes and farewells are all done really well in a sense where everyone's kind of getting a happy ending and like and like a, a bright future to go off towards, and it's still like you can get. I cried like I, but I cried out of happiness, like yeah. for where the characters are. Oh my god, are at because like you yeah. can have that emotional response without having to be like sad about shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. I definitely like I I love like a good a good sad cry is great, <clears throat> but like when you can make me cry out of happiness, and it doesn't happen as often, but like when you can, like that's that's powerful, man. And that's this movie did it. Like I was crying in a finale, everyone dancing, greets a terrible dancer. I love it. So um, the end, the the credit, the mid credit scene uh, introduces. Uh, what what could potentially be the next the next Guardians of the Galaxy team? Yeah. Um, 
they can go with that or not. Um, but there's some really interesting moments there. Groot looks like his looks like his older comic book appearance, which was which was really cool. Yeah. Um, um, I liked that. And they introduce as so Mag said in the comments, they introduce Phyla, uh, Phyla Vel Moondragon. Um, in a kind of roundabout way. One of the things that I was disappointed about by making Drax uh not human and um have a and have a murdered family was was that we would potentially never get Moon Dragon in the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's just kind of erases that whole character. I for a second, like, and I know like Moon Dragon's like bald or whatever, but for a second I thought that's what they were doing with like, oh, like this adopted kid, and like, oh, it's gonna be Moon Dragon, but like it it's Phi Lavelle, and that's cool. It's like it, it, it why? Why? Yeah. Um, so, but like they 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 make they make Phyla a surrogate daughter for for Drax, not a biological daughter for Drax, um, and that's cool. I'm really happy that Phyla is is on the table now, um, yeah. honestly, because I like that character a lot, and um, uh, it's it's not without merit to say to say that it's a little weird that this is the third queer character that Marvel has cast as a child. Yeah, um, kind of interesting trend. Don't know how long it's going to continue. But we'll yeah. see. Well, let's see if they even use Phyla at all. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Very, really very love... Thor, Thor, uh, Love and Thunder energy with this one, too. Like, oh, we're bringing a kid into the group, which is fine. It's just like <laughs> two movies did that. And I'm like, that's interesting. Um, but the uh, so so that that mid credit scene was actually really confusing to me when we get to the very end of the movie, which is the legendary Star-Lord will return um, in, ba- in big letters. I really thought, and I kind of feel like it should have been, the Guardians of the Galaxy will return. Well, maybe they don't know that right now, though. They only know they got Chris Pratt. <laughs> well, but yeah. that's but that's what I'm saying because like, even Chris Pratt has talked about he's probably he's probably doesn't want to come back if if Gunn's not not behind the wheel and like that's fu- that's fine. But for me, it kind of feels like the safer bet because like no matter what, like I I would buy that a version of the Guardians of the Galaxy would show up before Star Lord did. I don't know about that. He's on Earth now, so it's a lot easier than any Earth thing. It's a lot easier for Chris Pratt to show up on Earth than to CGI a bunch of a bunch of people in space. Okay, in terms of just, in terms of just Hollywood making making easy easy things, you know, like okay, well, I'm wrong, I guess. No, no, no I'm just, I'm, just they, I, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying the like, movie ends with the legendary Star Lord, which means like. They've they had to have talked to Chris Pratt or something where they have an idea that Star Lord. That's is not necessarily true. That's not necessarily true. So the reason why I do bring it up is, is you know, I'm, I I don't want it. I don't want this to be a whole thing. Um, but like the thing that I that I'm rubbing up against with it is is it feels like what happened at the end of Thor: Love and Thunder, where it says Thor will return, and Chris Hemsworth said, "I never said that." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it feels very much like, oh, we're saying this, but for me again, the safer bet sounded like a version of the guardians you could just say the guardians of the galaxy will return and it could be whoever it could be anyone i agree i don't know if the studio is thinking about the next guardians movie quickly is, is just what i'm saying so like maybe like they're thinking hey we can get something with chris pratt related faster than guardians so like people like you know i also like i have seen people online again i don't agree with them people don't like this team it is a brand new team. There's a little girl they've never met. You know, there's Adam Warlock, who some people don't like. So, like, a lot of people don't like this team. Nobody so, like, liked the I Guardians think, either. In the beginning. Saying, like, yeah, like, I think it is weird. It, yeah, the Chris, the Chris, multiple Chris's, the Chris Hemsworth thing of, like, I didn't, I didn't say I was going to return. Like, that is weird. Um, but him being on Earth makes it seem like, yeah, Chris Pratt will show up in, in a cameo for something. Like, you know, I don't know. 
bare minimum like when secret war stuff is popping off he'll be there so like, oh sure i'm sure everyone's gonna sure that's but i mean like yeah. but like he's right there he's gonna be he's gonna be literally right there yeah. on earth with other folks so like it's easy to incorporate his character i think the other point of it is like not saying that the guardians of the galaxy will return because like in a sense they won't as you know them so like yes that team that we see in the post credits could show up but like leaving the finality of like what this film feels like regardless of the fact that we can see that team in the future not leaving it hanging on like oh what is like not even like entertaining the like so that means like nebula could be like obviously yes of course she could but like not presenting it in a way where uh it's it's setting you up for that idea but just letting it sit on this was the end of this this guardians of the galaxy story and we don't need to put a like asterisk or comma on that this is for for all intents and purposes in the moment the end of the guardians of the galaxy regardless of the fact that there's a team maybe just don't stop doing this thing where you're saying someone's going to return if you don't know if they're going to that i would have been maybe just don't do that yeah we spent far longer on this than i think we should have okay Sorry. Um, well, no, okay. Sense on it. no, you, you know, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you guys on the stream. I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. The reason why I'm acting like this is because in the beginning, when I first said it, the both of you sounded very dismissive towards me and that whether or not that was your intent, that's how you sounded to me sure. later that got better, but that already put me in, in this mood. And I'm sorry about that. I'm, I'm sorry, Brennan. I want you to know, I, my tone of voice might just sound like dismissive. I've never once been dismissive in, on purpose, so I'm sorry if it seemed that way. We are just having a conversation <laughs> where sometimes opinions no, I, don't align. I recognize. Yeah. I recognize your point. I just, I just didn't uh, feel the same rub about it. I think, like, just having the post-credit scene of knowing that Guardians team is. Well, out there, that, but that kind of bugs me because, like, I didn't want to. It wasn't a rub to me. Like I don't want I didn't want you to think that it was. I feel really bad about that because like it wasn't. It was just as it was just a a, a toss a tossed point that I kind of regret bringing up because it wasn't even worth two. It wasn't even worth two more sentences in my thought, and and the, and now it's become a whole thing. And I I just I don't know. Like it shouldn't have become a whole thing. No, it's fine. Like it really is fine. Like I just I I I just was. We talked about this too. Like this was something we spent most of the drive driving home talking about after yeah. the movie. Is like, who do you think still on the table? And the answer was pretty much like, yeah, I think everybody except for Drax. Yeah. Like, like honestly, like everybody's just, everybody's still on the table to appear. Like I just don't think like again like maybe having Star Lord be the one to say the return is not the best idea. But like I I I there is a world where all these characters can come back, and I just I just don't know if it's initially going to be a Guardians thing. Uh. I, I will say like to the point of just like talking about post credit scenes. I don't I don't mind like inherently what what the post credit scene about Quill is about, but I was just like this isn't a very good joke. No, it's not, it, wasn't, <laughs> like, it wasn't very funny. I just I thought it would be something a little bit more fun than what it was. Like just him eating cereal, and I got that with cereal. Carnage. I don't know. I kind of wanted like when when the. I do like that. Like the 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 grandpa's like don't even get me started, and then Quill's all just like. I kind of do now. I just wish that that had a little bit more of a punch to it after that, rather yeah. than just like and scene. Uh, like, I just, I do like I, that. Like the the trilogy starts with like him and the grandpa, and it kind of ends with him and the grandpa. Like I think that is that is to be honest with nice. you. To be honest with you, in terms of like, I understand like thinking about how long audiences sit in the credits <clears throat> at this point, but I probably would have flipped them. Like yeah. I would have gone oh, out yeah. on a high 
of uh, the the last beat with the Guardian scene rather than like yeah. the kind of like of the Star Lord beat. I would have I would have gone out on the high of the team and like you know who knows when we'll see them again. But like they're out there, we know they're doing stuff. There's definitely a guy behind us who didn't like that post credit scene at the end. He was like, we waited for that. There was yeah. a bunch of people behind I, us who were like I didn't give a shit what they thought. <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't understand what Peter was saying. Oh, really? at the end. He's like saying, he's like saying, I mean, like, I'll go over and like do the lawn, but he's like 42 years old. Like, why is he just watching me mow the lawn for her? I, it's talking about some neighbor and like mm. her son and that he's mowing the lawn and like the son is not helping. And he's like, it's just like, he can, he can get up. He can do something. And he's like, don't even get me started. Uh, the, um, do you know the grand- conversation. Do you know who the grandfather is Sparks? Yeah. I forget the actor's name, but I know like from, from the, you're talking about the grandpa. Yeah, from Gilmore Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's not from Gilmore Girls. Like every other James Gunn movie. He's in the first one. Like I, 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 yes, yes. I, he's the the boss man dad on uh, Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, I will. Oh, real quickly. He no, real quickly on that. On that, just one quick like note. Um, he's reading a paper, and it's Kevin. It's Kevin. Um, Bacon. Bacon. Uh, from talking about the events of the holiday special, that's awesome. No, that's I was good. actually I was going to mention that because I could while I couldn't understand what Peter was talking about to his grandpa when it closes up, says like, "Oh, don't get me started," and you see a headline: Kevin Bacon abducted by aliens. I'm like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey abducted." Tells all. Yeah. Did you have something in your ears? No. I said we were at the same screening, right? Yeah, we were at the I'm same screening. Sure. I don't get your ears checked, bro, because that's a lot theater. I just couldn't understand what they were talking about. Sure, that's fine. Um, he was doing a little bit of mush mouth, uh, but he was eating cereal, so it was, I'm sure it was mushy. Um, I do want to talk about like there's there's a sight gag we didn't really touch on that I just thought was very good. Be, like I think it happens in threes, so it's very funny. Um, Mantis just can't land not on her head. Oh yeah, multiple times breaking her neck. <laughs> oh my god! And I thought it was really funny. Yeah. Just every time it happened, there, she's like, boom. <laughs> there's the 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 one in the the jail cell. There's a crack. You hear a neck. You hear a neck crack. Yes. yes. <laughs> this whole the, the whole sequence here of her, uh, like just like oh. <laughs> I feel like it's there just the right amount to like be funny, but they're not like, it's not the focus of the scene. Yeah. It's like people aren't talking about it or like making points about it or jokes about it. Like she just is sloppy (laughs) her landing and execution Um, to that point to, to the point of that. Also like the neck cracking thing made me think of this, the hallway scene, like the hallway scene is exceptional for a lot of reasons. Nebula in particular, where her head gets like bent back. Oh my gosh. Arm bent. And she's still like fighting through everything. She quick reassembles. Ugh. Nuts. Ugh. Nuts. Uh, good year for no sleep till Brooklyn, I guess. Huh? Yeah. Oh my God. Chris Pratt back to back. Yeah. So anything else? I just, I mean, I could I could probably talk about it for a lot longer because there's just like a lot to love about it, um, yeah, and get into. But uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm satisfied. I will. This is not a negative. I am happy that like this being the final like big space movie, like Guardians movie, like it didn't it didn't feel like it was over like overwhelmed with like cameos and like Easter eggs. Like there wasn't a lot of Easter eggs really, uh, mm-hmm. and like that's not a bad thing. Like sometimes movies can just be movies. That's it's really nice. Like. It was just, oh yeah, just I'm enjoying a thing. I'm not looking out for every every five seconds. That feels great. Something I do love a lot is Rocket 
being more important to Peter in this movie, like how directly that comes across, um, you know, in, in defense of like the, the second film, like it's only three months after the first film, this is years and years later. And like the way Peter feels about rocket as his best friend. And I even like the bit about Drax being like second best friend. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. The- <laughs> but I, but that, that, that like emotionality and like how desperate that's something that's really good about this movie. It's just like, I feel the desperation of the guardians to save rocket. And it makes the film so, so tense. Like they're just on their back foot the whole time. And, and those personal stakes, and I feel like that's just, it's, it's very, very effective how they brought that out of the character interactions because of the story that he structures them around. Oh my gosh. Do you know how much time has passed between volume two and volume three? So much. It's, it's 12 years. It's 12 years. It's yeah. 12 years. I can't believe that. Man. Yeah. End game. <laughs> I mean, we talked about it like when when Infinity War came out, like it was four years between uh, Guardians 2 and Infinity War. And like we meet the Guardians at a very different spot and then yeah. add the five year time jump and then add some time has passed since Endgame. Marcus and McFeely do not know how to write these characters. No, I, w- I will say I do like their rocket. Their uh, I think their rocket is pretty good, but I don't like their Peter. Like at I all. don't I don't like their rocket as much in Infinity War when he's like directly interacting with Quill, there's something off in to me and in the way that they interact there. And I think that's all the more pronounced to me, like looking at this film about what their relationship is supposed to be. The like, the like captain challenging bullshit that they're doing in that movie that I'm like, "Eh." Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, cause what's so interesting is because like Marcus and McFeely were bouncing off of what guardians two was doing. And so like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really feel like any time has passed between guardians two and infinity war. They're still kind of in that like competing captain place. And I'm like, that's just not, there That's should have not, been some growth here. Right. But like, but then at the same time, they have characters that are written like decently well to convey that like Gamora and Peter. Yeah. How far they've come in their relationship. So like there are aspects of it, but like there's also aspects of it missing. Yeah. And to Ryan's point real quickly, just like it, it's really nice that the Guardians films, the Guardians films has always been really divorced from the MCU. Like they they do feel like their own corner of the MCU. And so you don't, you don't expect to kind of go in with like a bunch of cameos and things like that. Like, it's really nice that it's just capable of maintaining its corner. And the only time it, it, enco- it encountered the other one is through a crossover. Yeah. Um, and so, and that, that, it just it's just nice that the trilogy because of that feels like a cohesive whole. And man, like James Gunn is again never made a bad movie, but now that he's like spearheading like all of DC stuff, man, like I'm just I'm so excited. For sure. Not just for his own projects, but like the type of person he is overseeing everything else. Like we're we're in we're in such good hands for the next like decade over there. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we final thoughts and rate? Yes. Because yes. I have to go to the bathroom again because I drink a lot of water. Uh, I will give this movie a nine out of ten. I think it's fantastic. Love it. Uh, I yeah, it's a, like this is the best MCU trilogy, like one of the best like, film trilogies. Like it's like I'm I'm so happy that I was going in expecting like going to be a really sad like we're just going to murder everyone because that's what I do. And like no, like it's we're going to have a happy ending for everyone, and like everyone's going to get to have a great a great life, and that makes me really happy. So I'm giving it a nine out of ten. I can hear you guys to the bathroom. Don't worry. Sparks, rate it. Um well, hold on, I'm gonna mute. Oh, he he muted him too. He muted he was muted him. Um yeah. he muted himself. There we go. Yeah. So Ben, why don't you final thoughts and rate it? Easy. Um 10. 10 out really? of 10. Oh yeah. Um even though I did have I think of some of the other negatives, and the negatives you guys have are hundred percent valid. 
it, I might, it, this might be the same thing with uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie where my rating might change upon a second or a third viewing because I've only seen the film once. But as of right now, how hot I was coming out of that movie, how much I think about it now, even when we're talking with you guys about it, I still say that the, with the negatives that you guys have um, or the negatives I have even, inconsequential. This movie is a fun th- thrill ride from beginning to end. It does give you few good gun punches does make you want to cry i wanted to cry i was like i was like especially at the end when they were dancing to florence the machine is like i'm gonna start crying it just the fact that everyone got a happy ending the fact that um the endings for the characters made sense that felt good it was just like a big cherry on top of an amazing intergalactic cake 10 out of 10 best marvel trilogy um all right sparks yeah i can go um yeah i'd I'd also give it a 10 out of 10 um i i hold it very close to volume two if maybe not surpassing it um and it's an excellent excellent film despite like what i might say it most of my negatives revolve around just wanting more of what the movie's already giving me in greater loads just because i'm selfish (laughs) Um, and I want more time with all the characters and I want more of these arcs fleshed out because they are so good. Uh, so for me, 10, um, yeah. All right. Well, so like, look, it's exactly the movie I, I, I wanted it to be. I needed it to be. It's it's Rocket's movie. It is him him in the forefront, and I love everything they're doing with Rocket and his arc. Um, I think it's beautiful. I was a, a, a wreck through a lot of this movie, just constantly crying. Even so, I will give it a 9.5. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it is right up there with the second film. Um, it, it's it's very good. Um, I, I wish it was perfect, but I, it, like 9.5 is a damn good movie. Um, like I'm I'm happy. I'm happy with it. I'm happy with this trilogy. I'm happy with with Rocket, and I, I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, it's it's definitely not perfect. Um, it's not a perfect movie, but it is for me a 10. Yeah, still is.